Hi, I'm Sean from Coin, and you're listening to CFRC 101.9 FM in Kingston, Canada. Hello and good evening, folks. I mean, that's that's a sound that I think is etched into every part of my brain. Uh, you are tuned into CFRC 101.9 FM. Uh, it's uh, a little bit of Smiths to kick us off this evening, Sunday, 8 p.m. Obviously, it's the Yellowbird Road, CFRC's British and Irish music show. I'm your host, Rue, as always, and I just had to start off today's show with a little bit of the Smiths, you know. This album, the debut album by the Smiths, self-titled, 1984 turns 20 this week. And so, of course, we had to begin with a little bit of music from that, this charming man. Just, I mean, that's that's a, a that's a play off of uh, our copy, a station's promotional copy of the album from back in 1983. And it still sounds so good, which actually just blows my mind. I mean, this record is like twice my age, uh, older than I am. It's incredible, yeah. Uh, that is still plays and it still works. But anyway, yeah, a little bit of uh, British music history to kick us off. Debut album by the Smiths. Um, really just ushering in a whole era of indie music with that jangly sound. You know, Johnny Marr kind of uh, setting, setting down the blueprint for what most indie guitarists would come to follow. And obviously Morrissey, for all his faults, lyricism on this album, you know, with songs like This Charming Man and, you know, Hand in Glove and a lot of other, you know, uh, a lot of lyrical themes that maybe weren't talked about as much in, you know, traditional macho rock music. And then there's songs like Suffer Little Children on this album, just talking about the Yorkshire Moor murder, uh, the uh, Saddleworth Moor murders in Manchester. And just, oh my God, it, it was a punching debut album, to say the least. And now it turns 40. And that's how we're starting off today's show. We've got a lot, so we are going to be swiftly moving on, though. We've got new music. We have an interview tonight, which I am extremely excited about. It's with Courting, a band who I think I've played enough on this show for most of you to know about. But if you don't, Liverpool Band, um, they have, um, you know, uh, they started a couple, a few years ago, 2019, started making sort of indie rock, post-punk music, somewhere in between that. And then they had a, a change of heart and decided they want to be pop stars. And now they're really leaning into that, doing what they like, taking influences from everything from, you know, indie rock to pop punk to pop music, hyper pop music, and just blending it together to create their own unique kind of electro clashy indie rock, which I've become a big fan of over time. And so I spoke to their singer, Sean, uh, just uh yesterday and so we'll be listening to part of that interview tonight and obviously you can look out for the podcast and things like that to listen to the full interview just for time really um so yeah we'll we'll have that a little later so i i'm this is just your your warning sign you know stick around for all that you're going to want to listen to tonight's show if you're tuning in vita i know you're tuning in um there's a lot to listen in for, and I say this because I got a text. I shouldn't do this kind of stuff on air. But anyway, we're going to start off uh, the show proper with some Lovely Eggs music. I love the Lovely Eggs uh, duo from Lancashire, making kind of psychedelic, slightly demented rock music. Um, they've been going for years and years, but uh, their last album three years ago was I Am Moron. And they somehow, for one song, the title track 
I, moron, managed to get Iggy Pop on to do a guest vocal. And it wasn't really a vocal at all. It's just him saying moron really slowly over and over again throughout the song. And it was one of my favorite songs of 2021, uh, if it was 21 indeed. Um, so that came out a while ago. And there's, they're now, they've been working on new music. They've got a brand new single called My Mood Wave. I'm uh, I'm going to play that for us tonight. You can find them at thelovelyeggs.bandcamp.com. And then we have some new music by The Snuts. Their new album, ha, um, their new album Millennials, is finally out. Uh, they're a band from Glasgow. You might remember them from their, de- from their debut album, WL. They sounded kind of, you know, like a mix of sort of old and nostalgic indie rock that you wanted to be hearing a bit like um, Arctic Monkeys, a little bit like a bunch of other bands that, you know, indie music really enjoys and they topped the charts with that album in what i remember was a demented uh uh top of the sort of like a a chart battle for the top position with uh from what i remember right um demi lovato and it it was a wild week uh anyway they have since split with their label and you might have heard of this they were not too happy with how parlophone was treating them and pushing them to focus on aspects that were not related to the music so they're independent now they spoke out about it and against it and they've launched their own label, pointedly called, I must say, Happy Artists. And it's on that label that they've released their new album, The uh, Millennials. We're going to be listening to the song Millionaires, which is just a banger of a tune. You can find them at The Snuts Millennials, because they've made a new Bandcamp now, you know, for their new and independent era. The Snuts Millennials at Bandcamp.com. Let's start off with uh, listening to a little bit of The Lovely X. This is my mood wave here on CFRC. Welcome back, folks. A little bit by a little bit of Millionaires by The Snuts. Um, their brand new album, Millennials, has just come out completely free and independent now. Um, uh, ironically titled now, Millionaires. Give them a good shot at it. Uh, we also listened to The Lovely Eggs with a brand new song of theirs called My Mood Wave. I, I'm glad that they're back. It's been too long since we've had uh, some lovely, lovely eggs music. <laughs> Um, I'm going to play us some brand new music on the next set. And it's not all going to be indie rock. I've got a varied show for us today. Uh, There's some hip-hop coming up. There's uh, some jazz, some uh, more experimental stuff, some folk stuff, some out-and-out banger pop music. We're going to have a little bit of everything. Uh, So let's get started. We're going to play some uh, post-punk, actually, to get us started. Drala, a Leeds band, a post-punk band from Leeds, have just put out their second single, uh, from their upcoming album. The album is going to be called Angel Tape and uh, it's coming out on the 5th of April, so shortly. And um, they've just put out a brand new song called Second Rhythm, which is the second single from the album. Um, and um, we'll be listening to a bit of that. You can find them at drala, D-R-A-H-L-A dot com. Um, uh, and yeah, we'll listen to that song. Uh, I don't really have anything much to say for it, except that I thought it was a pretty cool song, so we'll listen to that. Uh, then Kneecap have announced their debut album. This is sort of the big news of this week, is their first album is finally coming. It's almost surprising to like look back and think that Kneecap are only on album number one, because the the interest, the headlines and the press that this uh, band collective have generated has been absolutely immense, just in the, their sort of six or seven singles that they've had out so pretty incredible uh hip-hop uh trio from ireland uh, from uh belfast and 
you know, making some incredible music, having a lot to say. And often that's the thing that draws the headlines. So now that they're putting out their debut album, which is, and I love the title of this, going to be called Fine Art. Uh, I'm very excited for it. You can find them at kneecap.bandcamp.com. They are coming to Canada next month. Uh, they're going to be playing at the Axis Club in Toronto. And I, I think I should go. I think I should go. I think I should get them to talk to us on the show. It'll be really... I would love that. Like, that would be a highlight of my year, honestly. Um, although another one is coming up shortly. Like I did say at the beginning of the show, Courting did talk to me this week, just yesterday. Spoke to Sean, the singer and guitarist in the band. And you can listen out for that. That's coming up shortly. Uh, but we're also going to listen on this set to some music by Nadine Shah, who's just had her new album, Filthy Underground, that came out just this week. I'm glad that she's doing okay. She uh, She was, you know, recovering for a little bit. And the album is honestly stronger than ever. Uh, NadineShah.co.uk. We're going to be listening to the song You Drive, I Shoot. Um, so listen out for that. We'll start with some drama. This is Second Rhythm from uh, their upcoming album, Angel Tape. I could hold my breath for another time. I could see it go. Precious more, so real time. I can find a handsome landscape. It holds no present synthesis to Hello folks, we are back here, CFRC 11.9 FM. That was a bit of Nadine Shah. As you just heard, you drive, I shoot. And I mean, there, there's a number of layers to that song, eh? Um you know, very gritty, very in your face. And uh, we also heard, speaking of in your face, uh, some uh, w- some new music, uh, again, pertinent new music from Kneecap, who have announced their album that's going to be coming out. Um, it's going to be called Fine Art, and honestly, I can't wait for it. We also had some drama on the last set. Um, and now we're taking a bit of a turn, folks. We're looking back to the past and looking back to last week as well. Uh, by the way, what you're hearing in the background is a little bit of Alpha Mist, who always makes such wonderful, beautiful uh, piano music, uh, along with the Amica Quartet. Uh, so that's just playing in the background. It's a song called Years Ago. <clears throat> but I want to talk about last week. Uh, I wasn't here last week, and while this is not the reason why I wasn't here, last week also was the BAFTAs. Now, I know we're a music show. We don't talk about film quite as much. But, you know, there, there, was a, there was a musical moment that has been a happening for one artist for quite a while, persistently, on, on the, you know, it's almost like this artist has been given a second, like a second wind, really, for a wind behind her sails, uh, ever since the film Saltburn decided to use her song uh, prominently on its soundtrack. It's Sophia Ellis Baxter, of course, and her song Murder on the Dance Floor has just been going crazy all over you know tiktok and stuff but also just it's come back into the public consciousness and a great way to sort of uh, tie all these ends together was last week at the baftas where the film was nominated and it was just a great moment for sophie to sort of bring her back onto the the public stage in the uk i mean at at film's biggest night in the uk uh, so she performed murder on the dance floor at the baftas went down so well and uh, you know she her as well was just you know this song came out in December 20, uh, 2001 so it's sort of like 
It's getting a new lease of life like 22 years later, which is absolutely insane and just incredible uh, for her from her album, Read My Lips. Um, it's just super catchy. And, you know, in, in the film, you do see like the character sort of dancing to the song. So, you know, good for her. I thought we could listen to that performance, you know, just because it's cool to have a little bit of fun pop music on the show. So what we're going to do right now is listen to her performance of this song at the BAFTAs. And then we'll be right back with more wonderful new music here on CFRC. Sophie Ellis Baxter is on that last set uh, playing, uh, performing at the BAFTAs and doing an absolutely, absolutely killer performance of Murder on the Dance Floor. Uh, I mean, sorry if I sound a bit flustered, I just fell off my seat. That's how good the, the song was. I did genuinely fall off my seat. Um, uh, that BAFTAs performance also just reminded me that just before, the, just before she started performing, she was introduced by the host of the show, David Tennant, who you might know from... Of score of projects, you know, the Tenth Doctor on Doctor Who, uh, Broadchurch, um, uh, Good Omens, uh, playing uh, Hamlet, and a bunch of other Shakespeare plays on on the West End. Um, so yeah, um, also just thinking about uh, the fact that uh, David Tennant hosted the Baftas in a kilt also just threw me off my seat, and the fact that even though his show was not up for any awards. He still sort of came decked out in, broadly speaking, Good Omens-themed clothing. Like, he had uh, angel patches on his jacket, and he had a little snake just going into his his character from Good Omens. It's, yeah, it's... uh, We do love commitment to the bit, you know. But coming up uh, next, we're going to have some music by Gilly. So we're going to take a slight left turn uh, out here, right? We're going to go into some wonderful folk music. Now, Gilly is uh, an independent musician, but is also at the moment on tour or sort of like a permanent touring member at this point with um, uh, the band um, Adwaith. So look out for her, Gilly, G-I-L-L-I-E dot bandcamp.com. And then we'll have some more music. We'll be right back here on CFRC. Welcome back, folks. 
<clears throat> a little bit of Gilly on that last set. Brand new song for Shown. It's um uh it's um it's coming out on her album. That'll be uh, out soon. You can find her on Bandcamp, obviously. And then we're gonna have a little bit more music. Uh, we're le- leaning into the sort of more contemporary jazz side of things now. Just a bit of jazz R and B. We're gonna have some music from uh, Amy Gadiaga, who is a London uh, a London based musician who draws in uh, Senegalese, Gambian, Mali uh, influences. Uh, from the uh, outskirts of Paris and now in the UK music industry, based in London. Um, and, you know, she brings sort of uh, trained classical jazz music and um, influences from musicians like Betty Carter, Wayne Shorter, and just brings a bit more of, uh, you know, touches of rootsy sounds to it. And um, this uh, this new uh, song of hers that I'm going to be playing is called uh, Paloma Negra. And uh, you, you can sort of hear all these influences, you know, her EP is going to be called All Black Everything. And it's uh, it's a five song EP. And, you know, it's got uh, some music drawing on more Eastern influences as well, uh, you know, Korean influences. And uh, it's I can't wait for it. It sounds like a very interesting new record. Uh, that's going to be coming out on the 5th of April. It is, like I said, called All Black Everything. You can find her at Amy Gadiaga, spelled A-M-Y-G-A-D-I-A-G-A dot bandcamp.com. Do go check that out. We're going to be listening to this song, Paloma Negra. And then uh, we'll have some new music from a band called uh, called uh, Dead Rat Society. They're a brand new band and uh, they sort of, uh, you know, I've seen, a, I've seen uh, bands bringing together sort of um, uh, the heavier side of uh, you know, grunge and uh, almost like punk bass lines and stuff and mixing that together with hip hop. We've seen a bit of that and uh, now we're starting to see the sort of softer side of it and it's quite interesting to see as well. Um, so they've just put out a new song called Bounce Back, which we're going to be listening to. You can find them at deadratsociety.bandcamp.com. So we'll listen to those last two, those two songs and then get ready, folks. It's going to be time for our interview. Courting, uh, Sean from Courting joined me to talk all about new album uh, that just came out, new last name, and, uh, you know, about their philosophies in writing music and sort of what, what you know, they, they've sort of eschewed the whole post-punk thing and they're being pop stars now. They want to do that. And I think it's quite admirable. So we're going to be listening to all of that. But first up... Very exciting new music from Amy Gadiaga. Paloma Negra. You can see Fussy. Dead Rat Society. We also had some Amy Adiaga. Sorry, I'm really rushing this, aren't I? Amy Gadiaga on the last set. Um, Folks, we are coming up to the courting interview. Sean from Courting dropped by to talk to me all about brand new music, brand new album, new last name. Uh, I'm really excited for this. Uh, All will be revealed as you listen in on the interview. Uh, You can hear a little bit of Pop Shop, uh, a song of theirs that I really liked in the background over here as we go into the interview. Find them at courtingband.bandcamp.com and really just enjoy this interview. I think it might be the last thing you hear from me, but it is going to be a good one. So stick around for this. See you all on the other side of it. And, you know, look out for the podcast. The full interview is going to be on there. Enjoy it. I had a lot of fun. 
Here's Sean from Courting. Here we go. We're here, CFRC. Uh, we're on the Elbert Road. And uh, I have Sean from Courting down the line from me. Now, Courting, for, hello. <laughs> I love that we're ready to roll. <laughs> <laughs> so, Courting are a four piece, uh, I would say, sort of indie rock band from Liverpool. One of the most exciting, I would say, bands to come out of Liverpool in the sort of last few years, I would say, pushing the frontiers of what indie music is and what rock music is. Um, they put out their first single in 2019. Uh, their first album, Guitar Music, came out in 2022. And their new album, New Last Name, just came out a month ago. And, you yep. know, it's an exciting blend of theatrics, you know, delightful pop music, electronic music. And we're going to talk a lot about the album. We've got tons to talk about today. But firstly, Sean, hello. Welcome to the show. Hi, thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm so glad to have you here. I mean, it's been a busy time for you. So, like, thanks for taking out the time to do this. I, oh, know, no problem. I know you guys have been on tour. We have for a long time. Uh, well, actually, to be honest, in comparison to some of the tours we've done in the past, this one was relatively brief. It was like 20 days, 20 days, nice and round, 16 shows. We powered through it. Um, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. 16 shows in a month. That That is a lot, though. Yeah, it was. It's not even a full month. We did sixteen shows in about three weeks. We had like two off days, um, maybe yeah, two days off. Every other day was a gig, and then we are straight back into it in about less than a month when we're going to Europe, and we've got our festival in London. That's incredible. I mean, uh, a lot of those dates were sold out, and the energy from from what I've seen from sort of the pictures and the videos, it, they seemed like really fun, really energetic shows. Have they been for you guys? Yeah, they've been really fun. Um, we kind of make a point of maybe um, playing our shows like we're a bigger band than we are. Like rather than kind of showing up to these venues, playing a ten song set, and then leaving, I feel like it's a very interactive and personal experience. We try and change the set list every night. We try and give people the songs they want to hear. Um, we try and keep ourselves on our toes as well. Um, it's all just about making a gig that is really fun for not only the crowd but for us as well. Something that like isn't just is is like a engaging and enjoyable performance. It would be too easy for us to just kind of turn up, play the songs exactly how they performed on the album, and call it a day, leave. But we are a very kind of um, DIY outfit to be honest um, we kind of do everything ourselves we sell our own t-shirts so the job kind of never really stops and you know for that to work for everything to work well it's kind of important that everyone's on the same page and everyone's enjoying it how we enjoy it and I mean people are really connected with it though yeah I'd say so um, I think people at the show seem to really like the new music and it's been interesting fitting songs into our set list to see what people think of them, see how they work, because a lot of these tracks we haven't got the we haven't played before this tour. So it was enjoyable to like road test and see how things go. Um but also we've been playing like 17, 18 songs a night. So we're really we're pushing it out. You're getting into the 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 cure um arena of things or just like doing yeah. two hour long, three hour long shows. <laughs> yeah, we've reached like marathon sets. And we're not even really playing like big enough shows for you, to be honest. But that's okay. And I think an important thing to do is rather than like treat these shows like they are smaller and, you know, we have room to go, we treat them just kind of like they're as big as we'll ever get. Like, I mean, that's the thing with this job. Um, It's just having like a level of 
being grateful for where you're at and um, giving everyone who's came the exact experience they want. So we try and just make sure we can play. Basically, we play as long as we can before we're about to fall asleep. But I, I also like, I love that you're kind of, you're being what you are aiming for. So it's, you know, like you said, you're not acting yeah. like you've got room to go. You're saying you want to be up there. So you've got to, you've got to embody being there, I guess. Yeah, exactly. Like it would be so easy for us to treat these shows like a stepping stone. I always think that's unfortunate like to do. And maybe like slightly disrespectful to the people who came out to the gig. Like you should treat that as like, like it's the biggest, most important gig you've ever played every night. I think that's the only way to kind of convey what you're trying to go for. I think it comes out in the in the music as well. Um, the from the clips of what I can see, it's like a super involved kind of thing. Everyone really, you know, gets into the crowd. You see people singing along, even though, um, well, a good part of this album came out like a month ago or less than a month. Yeah. Ago. Yeah, the response to the new songs has been fantastic, and it's been great to see people into the deeper core. Into our new singles as well. It's um, it's very positive and it's made us very happy. And but you wrote a lot of this album before guitar music came out, right? Yeah, yeah. I've seen a lot of like discussion after I mentioned this online, and I think maybe a lot of, like I, I, to be honest, I've seen like criticism about it as well, as if like we kind of wrote two albums at the same time. But I think maybe some of the people who are discussing it just don't fully understand like how releasing music tends to work. Like, I think people have kind of slated us as if, you know, we wrote this album very quickly, like, at the same time as our first album, or it's like, um, you know, it's like leftovers or whatever. But I guess the thing that maybe they don't quite see is just how long it takes to release a record. So we wrote guitar music probably, like, immediately after that EP dropped. So guitar music had been wrote and done for about a year and a half before it was released. So in that year and a half, you got to do something. Um <laughs> In, in the same way, whilst everyone's talking about this album, we're kind of like pretty far into the next one. Um, that's just the, that's the reality of it. Like, it's not a case of like we wrote them as like companion pieces or like necessarily together, but it's just a case of we have to kind of keep working and keep writing. And those are the songs that just came after. And I mean, it's not like there isn't progression between guitar music and this album. Um, mm. Although, uh, well, yeah, yeah, tell me about that. Um, I find it I find it quite interesting to like to talk about because I either see people saying that we've kind of stepped backwards or stepped in a really interesting direction. Where as the band, when we were kind of writing this album, we didn't feel it was too much of a stylistic departure. Like I think we were just pushing our influences into different like sections of the type of music that we make. Like we've always had an interest on like pop music and like maybe the aesthetic of like being a rock band and how you can play around with that idea. We're just trying different ideas in kind of the same format, realistically. Um, arguably, maybe the music sounds like slightly less post-punky, but I think that's just because that is really boring and reductive. Like for me, the best moments of our first album would be like um, the moments like Famous and Loaded and Jumper, which I think all pull quite heavily from pop music. And I think like, maybe to like to give like direct comparisons and references if we look at a song like Loaded, for example, I mean, that took, like, elements of, like, old rock, like, 70s rock, 60s rock, combined it with, like, noise and, like, then a little bit of a hyper-pop influence. Whereas, for example, on this album, with a song like Throw, which I'd say is also pretty heavy, the only thing that is different is instead of being of taking from, like, that, like, 60s, 70s British, like, 
power pop rock we just took from pop punk instead and realistically we're just like cannibalizing genres with other things that we find interesting so like in the same way that jumper is kind of like an homage to like 90s like baggy style Britpop we look good together is just more of an homage to like 2000s pop and at the same time like older Prince style disco tracks like we're kind of applying the things that we find interesting just to different styles of music rather than it just being us trying different things like I'd like to think personally that we've always kind of put the same finishing touches on everything that we're doing um, so to us, it, it never really felt like we were pushing the bow out or trying to detract from what we were originally doing. These were just the songs we wanted to write that we ended up writing and that ended up on the album, really, the ones we liked. Yeah, I mean, uh, right from sort of the first EPs, it, it did feel like there were there were things that were just threatening to spill over, which maybe leaned into a bit more on the next two albums. Yeah, I think, for example, like when we did Crass, so that song was wrote like pretty shortly after um another really really early singles like football or whatever. And then um, when we wrote it and took it to the studio, we had a lot. We were listening to a lot of like stuff like Sweet Trip and Charlie XCX whatever. And I think at the time we really wanted to take it further and make it weirder, but we were generally just scared. You know, it was our first EP, and at the time we were worried that people would reject it or not be interested. And I think what changed after that EP to now is that we don't care. Like then we were really fussed about what people would think. And now I just really, I'm not bothered. Like at the end of the day, we're kind of making music for ourselves. And it's important to just push that out and kind of take songs where they naturally need to end. And that is kind of the reason we actually redid the track on guitar music. Um, it's, it's pulled from the same recording, but we thought we need to change this. We need to take it to the place that we would have if we had kind of had the guts to do it two years ago. And uh, I mean, lyrically as well, I feel like the something like New Last Name being, uh, as you've said, an almost play within an album was also something mm. that was sort of just threatening to always happen because your <laughs> lyrics, I mean, even on the EP, the first few singles and all of that, it's always felt like there's been dialogue over there. The narratives in the songs are mm. always really witty there's lots of wordplay um the characters are like compelling and complex and you know they never really feel one-dimensional even when they sort of lean a bit on stereotypes or tropes or whatever like at the end of a song like flex i find myself you know ever so slightly charmed by a guy who's basically writing prose about his life in an email Mm. yeah thank you i think like um it definitely was a bit of a challenge to make an album that maybe lyrically is like slightly more personal and slightly more like insular rather than the kind of cop-out musician thing well i say it's a cop-out maybe maybe it's not completely a cop-out but um but the idea of um on the first ep just writing about like politics and things like that is kind of very easy to do in my opinion without really having an overarching like opinion about it like you can just you can just write about politics and it can just kind of happen. Whereas when you're trying to write about something personal, that can feel more difficult because you feel like you have to open up. You feel like people might judge what you're trying to say. Whereas it doesn't really matter if it's quite isolated from what you're actually talking about. Um, like, I'll be honest, like when we wrote songs, maybe like Grand National, I, I don't actually have like ridiculously strong opinions on horse racing, which to be honest, it's one of the things I look back at. It kind of annoys me. Like that song just came from a good hook. And I thought, like, how can I change this into whatever? And, you know, that's where the song ended up on this, like, kind of anti-gambling stance. 
And I still like the song. I think it's catchy, but you know, I don't I don't really stand for that. I don't care. I literally it, it literally is not the hill that I would choose to die on. Whereas with guitar music, then we kind of built out from that by trying to make these kind of interesting character studies in songs like Tennis and um Uncanny Valley. You know, imagining these really surreal, intricate scenarios about like financial domination and like virtual influences on Instagram. And I think at some point you've just got to bite the bullet and write songs that are a bit more insular and personal. And I think that's what we did on this album. But talking about cop outs, um, it turns out that when I when I try and write personal lyrics, the first thing I choose to do is create completely fictional characters and turn it into a fictional performance. So there's always kind of layers of stuff and like deep dives going on and things that like just naturally come out to make writing more interesting rather than boring. Because as I think the ultimate kind of challenge as a writer is to just write like a good love song, but it's more fun to hide that in a few layers of like honestly unnecessary depth. Like we just we just enjoy doing that. Um, Flex for me is definitely like probably the, the my favorite lyrics that I wrote. Like I was I was very happy when we finished that the email thing. It's just you know how can you convey like sincerity and like important emotions in something that can be a little bit camp and a little bit like playful. And yeah, it just can't think about itself. I was literally going to say that it does feel like it's, it's very sincere, but then with like a wry smile as well at the same Mm. time. Yeah, definitely. It's kind of important to us that like, um, we don't want to convey things like through like six levels of irony because I think that's very boring and very easy to do. Like um, just to like talk about like album reception as well. And this like, I know for a fact that there are some stylistic moves that we've pulled on this album where if I called them ironic, people would respect them more. And I think that's sad. I think we kind of want to be more of like a kind of post-irony-based band where we're doing things based on like literal reactions and how how it would make people feel. Like, for example, on a song like Throw, um, it would be very easy for us to be like, yeah, pop punk as a genre is like generally known as being quite bad we are mocking it but the truth is i think everyone relates music like that to maybe being like 15 and having an emo phase or whatever so what we were really trying to do rather than like mock it or take the piss is how can we use the cliches and like things that are quite silly about that genre and turn them outwards into something that is really fun and introspective um and yeah, I agree. Like everything we do as well, like we are trying to kind of keep it interesting and weird, but we do kind of, one of our main things is we do want it to be playful. We want it to be fun. It's everything is said with a little air of silliness because I don't want to write in like completely poetic, boring prose as a rock band. We want things that can be, you know, cross that border between a line that a crowd can chant back and sing and feel but at the same time isn't just making us a band that repeat one word over and over again which i think is is quite lazy like you know a lot of bands like post-punk bands specifically have been given this little get out of jail card where repetition is considered an artistic device rather than a lack of lyrics and you can just go to a chorus say a word 50 times and it is therefore catchy and considered like viable and clever. Whereas I just find that really boring. You know, we are we are constantly thinking, how can we write chorus that is really catchy, 
and really can like pull someone's heartstrings a little bit, but doesn't come off as like stupid. Like we're not treating the audience like they're only going to remember this hook if it's one word over again. You know, we could have very easily wrote a song with a flex. The chorus we just said flex, 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 and I'm sure like maybe that could have got lapped up a little bit. But it's I don't know. How how do you keep things interesting, not just for yourself but for the audience too? Yeah, and I suppose in in a way you're sort of um instead of walking the line between like repeating a single word and being like very ironic or on the other hand writing a literature textbook you sort of issue that and said that you're going to write like an actual song I guess yeah yeah I think that's that's important to me like I I like being wordy I like keeping it interesting and for me like when we reflect that felt like a good example a good starting point for what we were trying to do because it kind of exists in both of those worlds like it, it has a you know a two-pronged chorus the first half of which is like an acronymed like email like prose and then the second half is just the repetition of a short phrase but i think the game is we can kind of justify that repetition through how the chorus is set up like everything is justified rather than just existing because we want it to be easy for a, an audience or a consumer yeah like it's there for a reason um but I, I also kind of want to talk about the whole, the sort of themes that you're touching on within the album, all these like character sketches that you're building, because mm. you have, because in one way it is, it is an artistic thing that you've done to go, uh, this is going to be a play within an album, but not necessarily a play if you don't want it to be. Um, mm. But there's, there's a bit of a, a plot point. There's some sort of progression in there. There are these, uh, these characters living out their lives you know, there's uh, there's a wedding. There are regrets. There's um, mm. the endings. Possibly, I, I was a bit like, I don't know if that's like an ironic happy ending or if, if it's mm. a like a genuine wrap up. And then I guess a character moving away to America. <laughs> see how how we kind of see it is like um, America is kind of like the album's epilogue almost. I I wrote about it in the lyric book, put a vinyl in the sheet. That how I see it is if you choose to view the album like it is a theatrical play, um, Happy Endings kind of marks the ending of the narrative, which, as it is viewed by the audience, at which point I describe America as if it is kind of like a soliloquy performed away from the audience behind a curtain. It's like um, there is meant to be a line drawn there after the play has ended where, as the audience we're supposed to be unsure whether you're kind of supposed to be hearing this. Like, is this the actual ending that just isn't mentioned in the text? Or is this a kind of accidental speech being given by a protagonist with a microphone left on? No, I mean, I, I do I, I do love that song. I feel like it's a standout on the album. Um, Thank you. You've got the the new last name revealed, you know, and yeah. what it means, just like thrown out there. And then it wraps up all the plot points and then curtain call. Yeah, exactly. Like, that's kind of how I see it. Like, the curtains are already gone. Um, and then obviously this is this, like, big moment. Like, that's that's kind of where the duality of the record comes in. Like, obviously, obviously it's meant to be the closer when you view it like an album. Like, it is designed to be an album closer. And, um, like, talking about what I was saying before about, like, in throw we're pulling on like pop punk cliches um in new last in america we're definitely pulling on like 
rock cliches in the dropping the album name in the last line. Like, that is so silly. And, like, I'm aware of how cliche and silly that is. But I feel like it's another one of those things where secretly everyone does love that. Like, everyone wants to go, oh, how cheesy. But realistically, like, if you're listening to an album and they say the album name, it's kind of like that meme where it's like, oh, they said the name of the film, whatever. <laughs> like, um, the pointing and I, me. Yeah. And I kind of enjoy, like, living in that world where I know people are going to call it cheesy, but I know deep down, I know deep down, it is a reaction. It has like a visceral reaction in people that I enjoy, and I think a lot of other people will enjoy. In the same way, like to be honest, a lot of this album is kind of dedicated to just giving people what they want from a song. Like we, um, I'm sorry, like in Throw, for example, pulling on the cliche at the end of the track where we do the ridiculous halftime outro, and then we speed it back up into like double time it's so silly but i think to not be cocky a lesser band would cut that ending off and call it like a cool artistic decision to like not give the the audience the satisfaction of the easy ending we want to give the easy ending we want it we want it to be ridiculous and i guess the same goes with like um like america the big kind of outro with the guitar solo, with the um, the shouted vocals, the album name, the you know, like we gi- we wanted to give people what they wanted, yeah. And it it's quite endearing actually to be like, oh yeah, there, there's there's the play wrap up, there's the album wrap up, you know. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, well, I I just I think it's in some ways it's a bit of like an homage to the format of an album. Like we don't want to just write songs; everything is kind of meant to fit together. Like for example, the play is kind of meant to start after throw with that ridiculous shift between throw and we look good together. And I've kind of seen people talk about that as if we kind of made a mistake placing those two songs together when in reality, it's kind of the most purposeful choice on the album. And it was, it was basically just done in a, in a fun way. Like we just found it so funny to kind of start the album with this like ridiculous art rock pop punk song with a like ridiculous ending and then basically instantly slice into like a piece of like silly 2000s pop like that's kind of the joke and um i think maybe if you listen to that and you don't think it's fun then maybe it's not the album for you (laughs) but what i also love is that in spite of everything that you just told me there is also a line and i'm forgetting now on which song that just goes i'm not a pop punk band yeah exactly like um that's that was kind of the whole joke of it like when we wrote flex and we wrote that line we deliberately thought it would be really funny to release a song with a lyric that said i'm we're not a pop punk band and then the next song is so clearly indebted to pop punk cliches like it, it it's all like very on the nose it's very silly and i guess throughout both of them songs we're kind of toying with the idea of how, how like a genre like uh like pop punk is so intrinsically linked to being like 14 years old and like maybe using that as a bit of a theme or a concept throughout the record and um they're also like so in in some ways it takes homage from those like almost musical simpler ideas of like pop punk Mm. but then they're also like little i don't know found sound sound effects whatever you want to call them of just like the the crowds the crowd applause at the end and mm. uh, like the church bells on wedding and stuff like that yeah it's 
Yeah, it's all very like purposeful in the narrative and like like the the clapping at the happy end, at the end of happy endings like that is kind of a little bit of like a winking joke because I think it is really funny when bands put clapping sounds in their album. Um but it is meant in a narrative sense to just kind of conclude the main the main narrative of the album. Like it's not meant to be like we finished playing the song. It is literally meant to represent the end of the play. Yeah. Um, and also it is a little bit of a homage to um Sgt. Peppers, which does the same thing because on that album obviously there's the reprise of the theme and then the the crowd claps and then it goes into a day in the life, which I've always found really interesting. Like the idea of having the applause not on the last song. So it kind of made sense for us to have a song, which was the natural ending of the play, followed by something that essentially exists like an epilogue in the same way a track like A Day in the Life is meant to exist, kind of like an epilogue to that album. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you, um, I guess, I, I mean, I, I always saw you guys as more of indie rock, but I suppose you did move away from that post-punk label. I mean, I think your Bandcamp description is just pop stars isn't it and, yeah and it looks like you're having an absolute blast doing it so like fair play to that yeah we're having fun um yeah pop pop stars is a fair one um we're what we're really trying to kind of do is i think if we're going for indie rock um i want to be clear that we're of the lineage of like 2000s indie rock and not like the 2010 stuff like if i feel like we're more based in what was going on around like the arcade fire wolf parade kind of time um, but realistically, I'd like to think that we can kind of exist just slightly out of genre now by having so many songs that are just so different. Um, but I, I don't really mind whatever people want to call us. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's fine with me. I mean, I, I do also have to throw in that both of the bands you mentioned are they're, they're, uh, Canadian. So props for that. Um, yeah. But, sure. um, <laughs> but um, you know, there are songs even on this album that definitely couldn't be called like rock songs. You know, there's songs like Babies, yeah. which is almost this like slightly funky, jazzy R&B mm. kind of thing. And there's the trumpets. I feel like the trumpets yeah, are like, a highlight of the album. Yeah, first, as far as I said, I didn't realize Wolf Parade were Canadian, so that's mad. Um, but music where you can tell the creator is doing what they want, that really does it for me. Like, you know, when you listen to an album and you, you can hear that no one's kind of had their hands on this. No one has said, no, please don't do that. It's a bang going, I want to do this. And obviously there's got to be a piano solo here because that makes sense to me or whatever. What was the second question you asked me? Because I got so distracted there. Oh, uh, just the like jazzy <laughs> R&B baby. Oh, yeah. Um, see, that is so interesting because when we wrote that, it was of our full intention to essentially do a country song or like a folk song. And it just came out so funky. Um, completely unintentionally. Um, but yeah, I, I love that song. Um, with the little sax line at the end, it's a lot of fun. It was the last song we wrote for the record. Yeah, we're just kind of doing whatever we want, really. Like we we don't think too hard about it. Or maybe the level of thinking that goes into it is essentially us saying we want to do this, and then we do it. And if it works, it works. Whatever. Like we try not to. We try not to ever restrict ourselves with the idea of oh, we can't make like a a funky pop song or we can't make a folk song or we can't do it. We just do it. And then um, I guess if people like it, they like it. Does the saxophone go live with you guys? Uh, so we can't, we can't bring a sax player around with us yet, but um, it is, it is within our intentions to do so when we can. Reading and leads, right? Yeah. I'll, I'll make <laughs> sure that's sorted. 
that would be so lovely to see um <laughs> which uh like are you guys um gonna be on one of the televised stages because i'm definitely gonna try and try and watch it i don't i don't really know how it works but i'd like to hope so um i'm, I'm gonna make that set sort of special you know it's a it's a big moment for us and i think as a band as as a person that's obviously like a big teenage ambition for most british bands and just a lot of bands in general but from like a standpoint was as a band i'm so proud that we get to do that because i i feel like i don't know if people see us like this i definitely see our band as weird and i take a lot of pride in, in being a bit weird and not like a boring indie rock band which i think there are just far too many of and the honor of being weird and getting to play a stage of like you know a stage slot which in my opinion like i'd go and see some bands who i'd consider quite normal play that on that stage you know maybe a band that doesn't take many risks and just has like big choruses whatever i don't mean that as an insult like that's kind of that game um so to be a band who maybe like 10 people are going to show up for is kind of an honor like um it makes me feel like we've done something right to be kind of weirdos and hopefully have kind of that more mainstream pull at the same time because that's exactly what we want to do like how can we play ready main stage and not write songs that we don't like anymore. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's that's hard for me to say. I'm I'm trying to think of a way to wear it that doesn't sound like I'm offending other bands playing because I think this lineup is really great and there's a lot of bands doing a really great job. But like, you know what I mean? It's like how can we play these big indie festivals without being a boring indie band? We want to be like a really interesting, a really interesting band. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. And you said that you draw a bit from the more uh, zero side of indie rock, but you also worked with uh, Gary and Ryan Jarman of the Cribs on this album. Did. They yeah. these songs. Uh, what was it like working with them? Yeah, it, it, to be honest, exactly kind of what I was talking about. Like, I think they spearheaded along with some other bands, like the real kind of good era for like that style of music where you had bands who wanted to create like interesting art that was for them but at the same time also consider like melody and hook like you know bands like the cribs bands like the strokes bands i've already mentioned like arcade fire and wolfbury whatever like i think you know not only did they have an interest in making songs that they loved but making just generally good songs that you can look at as a songwriter and go wow that is so clever that is so well put together there is thought behind like the structure and ideas here and how that kind of came together is I can't remember how we started to speak, but we just respected them a lot and they really respected what we do. And they kind of listened to the whole album and just kind of kept bigging us up. To be honest, like I'd send it to these guys whose music we really respect and they just tell us like, this is fantastic. And you know, you can be making an album and like not many people get to hear it until it's out. You might show like your friends and family and they don't really have much to say. Like, you know, you show your mum. And she's like, yeah, songs are good. And you're like, yeah, thanks, mum. But then you show the members of the Cribs. And if they're like, yeah, this is fucking great, where well, you're like, well, it, it's kind of got to be a, a bit great. Like, if the Cribs like it, and I respect them. Like, you know, I think too too often you get bands who are getting all their feedback from, like, businessmen who've never made a song in their life. And that's sad. Like, I think if you're getting criticism and loving feedback and respect from a band you really respect the output of and appreciate as people, then you're kind of winning. And just one more thing about the album, that, since we were talking about like the characters on it and all that stuff, mm. I wanted to ask uh, a little bit about the song uh, Emily G, because that's mm. uh, 
Firstly, I I just love the the wordplay on OMG. Um, Thank you. But uh, you know, you've said that it's sort of um, the the character Emily G and the song Emily G is sort of the centerpiece of your album. Hmm. Who is Emily G? Well, that's 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 the mystery as all this time. It's um, the question the yeah song is asking too. Yeah, it's the question on everybody's lips. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. It's kind of just like a character that we created for the play. Um, to be honest, the character did come from the pun. I can't lie to you. Like a lot of our creative writing process is essentially pun based, and I'm not even really joking. Like a lot of the good hooks do just come from wordplay, where we're like, "Oh, that is silly." Like the flex chorus is just kind of silly. Like, oh, what? The the C U C C. Okay, we should write a chorus like an email. Like oh, eh, like O M G O M G Emily G. It's it's quite lazy, really. Um, a lot of it is just kind of based on inside jokes and things that we find funny that then end up as a part of our writing process. Like I'm trying to think of other examples, but they're definitely the main ones. Um, or even to go as ridiculous as like the bit in big words, where it's such a stupid thing to do. I'm I'm not even criticizing myself here. I'm I'm being like nice when I'm calling myself stupid, but but the the immediate kind of flip from talking about big words to then just saying loads of big words in a row, like it's so silly, and that's kind of what we're trying to do. Just just be a little bit silly. It's just fun. It's fun. Yeah, I think that's kind. Of, yeah, we want to kind of draw that line of like, how can it be fun and a little bit like tongue in cheek, but like clever at the same time. Like I. I I still think the Emily G chorus is like, like to I guess what I'm trying to say to me it's like it's more than a wet it's more than a joke like as much as it is just like a bit of a a bit of wear play a bit like lighthearted it should feel genuine and if that has succeeded then we've kind of we've kind of done what we wanted to do like you know if I can turn a lyric that essentially comes from a bit of a pun a, a bit of a joke into a more like genuine character study with actual like heartfelt emotion behind it then that's kind of our whole mo as a band mm-hmm. uh another bit of wordplay um i don't know what the situation with this is whether you know it's it's like a network like situation where mm. uh, the, they were a band who were never officially acknowledged by green day but the rumors were that they were the same <laughs> band. you also have um the throwbacks yeah um <laughs> is that a little to be bit honest- of- yeah, I'm oh, sorry. No, sorry, go on. Oh, is that a little bit of you guys also just leaning into your emo phases as well? Um, it was just just a bit of sinus, really. Um, to be honest, it plays absolutely no part in the creation of the album, nothing to do with anything. Um, we were just kind of like thinking of ideas for videos because something that I keep coming back to is that we wanted to make sure that in the telling of the album that we didn't really give away any of the plot points of the narrative. So when we were kind of making the music videos, it became important to us that even though this album is meant to be a play, all the kind of big videos operate as like a world outside of that, which kind of makes it funnier to me. Like, um, so if the album's a play, the video for Flex then becomes like a behind the scenes portrait of the actor, the fictional actor, who is also me, who is playing a character in the play behind the scenes. Um, but obviously completely exaggerated and like hyperbolic. And then Rose video becomes this kind of 
bizarre concept where we have realized that in creating the play. Oh, wait, okay. Let me let me take a step back. So narratively, in the lore of this, as a band, Courting have composed the music for this theatrical play, which the members of Courting will star in as actors playing different characters. But at some point in this narrative, the members of Courting have realized that they can't both act in the play and perform the songs that would soundtrack the performance, which links the album. So therefore need to hire another band who can then play our songs whilst we act, leading to us hiring exact body doubles in the form of another fictional band who don't exist to play us. So that's, that's, a, that's a really long way to go, just so that we don't have to give away any clues to what the, the play is about. But I think that's kind of part of fun. We just wanted to make the whole concept of all these videos and everything kind of in the market of this album so ridiculous and confusing just so that people would dig into it and want to understand it so i think if if people are digging into it then we've kind of it's a job well done i'm into it i'm into the courting cinematic universe <laughs> yeah exactly like that, that's definitely what we're going for as well like it's meant to be immersive and the thing you mentioned earlier about like it's a play if you want it to be a play is definitely true because kind of how we see it is i think a lot of concept albums just suck and it can be really overbearing and bad. And what we wanted to do is like, how can we write an album that can function as a concept record without ruining the experience of it being a record? Like, you mm. know, we don't need seven interludes. It's a play if you want it to be a play. And if you want to ignore all the shit that we're talking about, you can just do that. And it's just an album. Like that was kind of the game. It's like, I feel like our whole career as a band can be summed up into how can we live the best of both worlds? Like it's a real Hannah Montana situation. Like, how can we be this, like, interesting artistic outfit who released weird, strange things? And at the same time, how can we really be a festival headlining rock band who puts out hits with massive choruses? And at every given moment, we are attempting to do both of those things at the same time. And I think it occasionally the wires get a little bit crossed, but that's, that's, the, that's the mission statement. I could definitely see you guys like coming onto stage with your walk-on music as best of both worlds. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the game. You've got the tour coming up uh, next month, and that's all in the in the EU. Are there any plans of coming stateside? I mean, I, yeah, officially I want to say Canada, but more realistically, stateside. We're trying our best. We'll sort it when we can. That's a promise. <laughs> so people can find you guys on Instagram and all of that. Um, we will uh, uh, keep in touch about, uh, you know, whatever music or touring stuff you guys yeah. do next. Uh, congratulations on the album again. It's it's a really it's a really fun album. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Um, yeah, we really love it. We're really happy. Um, everything's great. <laughs> well, we'll look out for you guys at Reading and Leeds. Thank you very much. Hopefully. Yeah, sick. Thanks cool. so much for coming on the show. No problem. Thank you for having me. Uh, if we were to go out with one song from the album, though, and I'm putting you a bit on the spot here, mm. what would you pick to go out with? I'm going to go with Flex. It's just such a fun song. Yeah, I'm going with Flex. That's that's my favourite. Perfect. And I went away for a while I could 